Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. That song, Rainbow's 1978 Long Live Rock and Roll, with Ronnie James Dio on vocals, would become photographer Frank White's anthem, set to a life that was consumed with music photography. Hello, this is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, and this episode of the Goldmine Podcast will be about Ronnie James Dio, and specifically photographer Frank White's Long history of taking photos of Dio uh, since 1975. Uh, In fact, he developed this sort of close working relationship and has some brilliant photos out. And you could see that in his new book, Ronnie James Dio, A Career Through the Lens, 1975 to 2009. It was the singer Ronnie James Dio specifically that Frank White felt an immediate connection with since Frank first took his mother's camera at 13 years old and then snuck into the Beacon Theater in New York City to take photos of Rainbow in 1975. That started a a long, decades worth of photos of Dio. Um, Those photos in 1975 and many others of Dio over the decades up until his death are published and beautifully, I might add, in this new Frank White book. Again, Ronnie James Dio, A Career Through the Lens, 1975 and 2009. In fact, White and Dio got to know each other, like I said, over the course of time, liked each other, and Ronnie granted Frank access behind the scenes, a lot of access. So much so much that Frank covered Ronnie's career in detail through the lens. Um, he was able to coincide this um, as a photographer and basically telling his own story, you know, 1975 was when he basically started as a photographer in the book, along with Ronnie James Dio career and photos. So it's a nice, it's a nice angle. Uh, it's a great tribute to Dio and it's interesting how the two of them worked together, um, (laughs) and created some great visuals. Um, We'll talk to Frank in a minute. First, I wanted to mention a few deals our listeners can get using the word goldmine, G-O-L-D-M-I-N-E, as a discount code. First, you can go to adamandeve.com and get a percentage off using that code at checkout, plus free shipping. Perfect for all you stay-at-home couples. And also, record collectors. There is an offer to get 10% off at checkout from Cleveland International Records. In fact, the Iron City House Rockers have reissued their 1980 album, Have a Good Time But Get Out Alive, on the label. 
And here's your chance to get it for a nice price. Go to www.clevelandinternational.com and put in Goldmine, uh, the code in ch- at checkout, G-O-L-D-M-I-N-E at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off not only that new Iron City House Rockers record, but all Cleveland International records online. Okay, Frank White. Well, I'll tell you, thanks for doing the podcast, man. And and this book is uh, You're this book is. I mean, if I can't do it, it's the only way I can do it. This book is just as much about you as it is Ronnie James Dio, and so well, maybe it's quite like you know because it's my whole. It's my first book where I was just me. Yes. No one else involved. I figured do it all on my own, writing the whole way, and do it. And then I thought to myself, you know. This is going to be an excellent uh, story idea. And then I gave the whole idea and all the photos to the book publisher, and he loved it, you know. And then he immediately came out with a cover, like within a days of giving him the photos. Mm. Well, what I love is that you, you know, you connected with Ronnie James Dio, and you tell your story, like, and then you're. Both your paths Do you like it? connect, yes. And then every decade you go through how you're evolving as a photographer, your mother was a photographer, you quit Dunkin' Donuts and became a photographer full time, and all this while you continue and you do you've you have so many photos of so many artists and it just seems like Ronnie James Dio you seem to have this connection with an affinity. Right. And top it off, I never met him, but I heard he's a was a really nice guy. And yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone has their moments that you know. Yeah. For me, never really that never happened. I mean, you know, I just had a, you know an awesome experience with him. It was down to earth, dude. I could hang out with him like I was hanging out with a very good friend of mine, and and we just met like back in '84, you know. And I just after that, I would keep going backstage or wherever, you know. Uh, I had an opportunity to do a show with him over over uh, overseas or even in Canada. You know, I, I was there backstage before the show, you know, welcoming him when he came into the back door, like from off the bus, and uh, you know, I just talked to him very briefly, and then on he went to the backstage room to get ready for the show, and you know, it was uh, it was a great, it was another great night, and it was the same weekend I photographed Rod Stewart <laughs> the night before in in Vancouver. Well, he he seemed to give you so much access to. Yeah, you know, I just you know I'm cool with people, you know, like I you know I treat them well, you know they treat me well, and it's sort of like you know they they were they're very cool with that, and it's sort of like you know I'm in this twenty four seven, you know, you know I it's like it never leaves me, and like even with this going on, I'm reliving my concerts. By going through photo requests. Yes. You know? And it kind of, it, it brings right back. So, writing this book helped me to uh, to get it done by just having that memory of these few slides or images that I'm looking at come flashing back at me. Mm. And then it's sort of like, I remember what happened that night. You know? yeah. and so, that's, so, I write it down and stuff. And then piece it together, you know. And, and like always, your photographs are pretty with all the 
great lights, you know, big arena shows and, and gritty as well. You've taken them in the clubs. You've taken them backstage. You took Ronnie when he was interacting with the fans. Um, You've, you've taken the fans in the crowd. Uh, That's that all of it, the whole ambiance of what it is to be a Ronnie James Dio fan and to have lived through his music. You started out and you said that, uh, Long Live Rock and Roll by Rainbow was kind of like your your song, and you took you yeah. took these great photos of him in Blackmore playing in Rainbow. Uh, yeah, the that's, Beacon. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> the Beacon <laughs> Theater in New, uh, in New York, and uh, 1975. I'm sure. Um, you know, I grew up with you being around the clubs. I would always see you in the clubs, specifically Lamore. Uh, in Brooklyn, but you went to all the clubs. That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, you went to all. I would always, no matter what, it was like you lived there. Every time I'd show up for a show, you were covering yeah. it. You were we, like, we actually covered the same show one night with Anthrax. Yes, you lived twenty four seven rock and roll photography. So if people don't know, and I'm sure Dio fans are listening to this, but you have, you could go on forever with. Uh, rock and roll photo books because I know you have everyone with that right now. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Dio fans are going to love this. I have four other books like in the pike just waiting to uh, take their exits. You know? Yeah. This is more than a coffee table book or collector's item. It's, it's for Dio fans would love this to have this because you start you start off with these you know when he was just started off to gain momentum and rainbow and then and then right. you just were you basically go through all the decades until his unfortunate death and yeah the year, the a year before you cover yeah. all his guitarists all his collaborators pretty much nothing is uh, no stone is unturned here um, yeah, I, you know try to keep you know everything uh a lot of information because a lot of yeah. all the fans you know they love information that maybe they don't already know you know and this is sort of like giving them that extra like information in their head about their favorite you know singer so your mother was a photographer and she did you get the bug yeah. from her yeah she had camera equipment in the house <laughs> yeah and she, and she had uh you know, a lot of, you know, family photographs up to that point, which was like, you know, probably, you know, in the mid-60s mm-hmm. when I, when she started showing me stuff. You know, I was about, you know, four or five years old, yep. you know, so I could understand what I'm looking at. And then uh, she started showing me her cameras, and uh, she had a box camera, you know, 35 millimeter, and you know, like all the cameras from, the, from that time period. She kind of kept up and bought, like, the newer cameras when they came out and stuff. So, um so I used her Canon when it came out in like the mid seventies. Did you? Um, did she take events too, or mostly it was just family stuff? No, she took all like uh, like between uh, wedding photos, family portraits, right. baby pictures, right. uh, graduations. Uh, at the store, and uh, it's like a department store in New York City back in the back in the forties. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So she was like it was not only a profession but a like, hobby. Like if you went to see, like if you went to Sears. Yes. And they had that uh, photo, they had that that little uh, <coughs> photo uh, studio in the corner of the of the room. Right. You know, you see people in there, you know, already taking 
already uh, getting shots taken. That's how I was when I walk into Sears, you know, in that yeah. area. You know, seeing people already in there. So you were thirty. You know, that was like the place to go back in the day. <laughs> so you were thirteen when you you probably had to sneak in the camera for this rainbow show, uh, nineteen seventy five. Uh, yeah, well, I walked in with it like you know I had it in my had it in my jacket. It was nothing. I basically, basically took it from my mother without her, without telling him. You know, I took it and I lied to him. You know, I went to I went into New York City rather than going to a friend's house up the street. Yeah, that was sort of like my line back then. You yeah. know, I was always coming up with things. I was very I was very cunning as a child. Yes, and that led into my teenage years, and that led into how I was able to uh, photograph and sell things. Yeah, <laughs> to get more photos, get more money, and yeah, you know, and. You know, working at Dunkin' Donuts and meeting a friend of mine, meeting a guy in there who, who was a few years older than me, had a van, and started taking me shit before I started driving. Because back then, 18, you know, 17, 18 was when you can get your, you know, license mm. and all. Um, but I waited an extra year, uh, like I think I was like 19, when I really started driving. Because up to that point, from the time I was 12 years old or even younger, I was taking public transportation into New York City. Mm. I was taking the bus from right up the street from me. Everything in my town, everything in my life was in right up, either right up the street, or right down the road. You know, I had my job up the street, paper route up the street, selling photos up the street. You know, going to George's Joint, which was right around the corner from my house up the street. You know, uh, uh, down the road was the uh, garden, and uh, you know. I went to the Capitol Theater or Palladium, you know, wasn't too far away, and I could take a bus. You know, once in a while, if maybe a, a friend of mine, your brother or sister, would go into the show together, and they took us, you know. But most of the time, you know, I would be all on my own. Yeah. It was better for me because when you're on your own back then, you could move around a lot more without somebody else because they might get caught, or you might get caught because there's two people instead of one. Yep. And so you had to be able to maneuver around, you know, seats. And so as a kid, you know, the whatever rules out there, I wasn't thinking about them. No, there were no just, people don't understand that there. You didn't have to jump through a lot of hoops like you do now with PR and no, all that. Because I got, I got, I got really good tickets right from the get go. Yeah, I started going to shows. Either I bought them. That were uh, from Ticketron, you know, like wait online. Yes. Real early, you know, it'd be first, second, third online, whatever. Or um, I was getting them from, uh, I found over in the Bergen Mall, they had a ticket box, yes. which was basically a broker that was selling tickets in a store yes. in the basement of the Bergen Mall. And now, you know, I'm like, wow, I can get tickets. You know, maybe for this guy, but paying you know a few more dollars for him, but they're they're always good. Yes. And so I was so then I understood what that was about. You know, I was about thirteen. Yeah. You know, uh, fourteen. Uh, doing and then like uh, I started showing my photos to a store in my town in Bergenfield called Collectors World. It was like an indoor mini flea market, mm. and there was a couple of glass booths that were empty. Mm. So I was showing them my photos, and they're like, wow, kid, these are photos are really nice, you know? How'd you like to sell some here? And I'm like, really? He goes, where do you live? I go, down the street. <laughs> <laughs> and, my, my, and my school is down the street, you know, blocks away from each other. So this is all, like, very very local, very convenient for me just to walk up the street, and, and, and not a big deal. Not a, 
buses, no no car needed, you know, not even my parents didn't have to drive me. I could just walk because right. it was so close. And that's that was the beauty part about it. My my job was a few a few houses a few houses up the street. And then <laughs> um talking about convenience when uh I'm working at the store after after school selling my photos in this mm. with this glass booth a uh, guy walks up to me and he goes wow okay I like your photos they look really cool you know did you take them all and I'm like yeah I do I, I go to concerts a lot and then I go uh, what do you do he goes uh, oh I'm gonna be uh, I want to be operating that booth next to you and I'm like why he goes because I'm gonna be selling tickets I'm like, what kind of tickets? He goes, <laughs> concert tickets. I'm like, concert tickets? You gotta be kidding me. I mean, this is what I do for a living. I can't believe this. So this guy fell into my lap, like pretty much, you know, being up the street from everything just did. And, and he goes, hey, how would you like to sell tickets for me? I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. I can't believe this. He had like a, he'd all come out with his pocket or a suitcase and he just had like a briefcase and just have all these tickets for sale, you know? And I'm like, this is insane. So I said, of course I'd, I'd sell you tickets for you. So he says, just give you know, give me what I want, and then you keep the rest. And you know, if you want a ticket for yourself, then you know, so be it. And I'm like, all right. So uh, I'd be selling tickets like at school mm. and, and at the mall, just like the guy from Fast Times at Richmond High. But he, <laughs> but the the movie came out several years later. Yes. You know, yeah. I, I was doing it in like in 70, it started around 78, 79, 80. I think the movie came out, what, 81? Yeah. That's funny that you remember that character. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and so I'm like, uh, I'm selling to like, I'm going to R&B shows. I'm going to, you know, other, other events, some of them. You know, I didn't expect to go to as I was growing up. I just got into some of these bands, you know, just because, you know, I heard them on the radio. And I'm like, hey, wait, I got extra tickets. I'll go. You know, take yes. photos, you know, and so I kept that up and, and, and that was through high school, you know, uh, and so like that Damone character, when he came out, I'm like, oh my God, that's me. I can't believe that they, Hollywood actually did something with a guy, a kid that was in high school, but I never got into the trouble that he got into, <laughs> you know, I was, you know, well, <laughs> um, and I was able to, uh, have a, you know, a, a lifestyle that was different from many other of my friends back then. So because, what, you know, uh, they were doing, they were good, either, either a regular job or it was sort of like, uh, after I had my, my regular jobs, it was like at a high school, maybe a year or two, uh, I'd say a year or two later, a 21, I got my, uh, right after high school, I had my first photo published in a newspaper. And then the following year, um, uh, December of the same year, I got the uh, first photo published of Greg Lake. I got a photo of Yorma right up the street from where where I live at this place called The Circus in Bergenfield. Hmm. And that photo made it into Relics Magazine. And that was the beginning of, like, working with other publishers and other Gotcha. Magazines. So that was kind of like, uh, not when the light bulb went over your head, but that was kind of like when you thought, okay... I cannot just only sell these at the mall, but I can, I can also. Yeah, I was selling them back then. I was selling them at Collectors World yep. to my friends and at school. And then a friend of mine who was also living in Bergenfield, who started photographing concerts like a few years after me, yeah. he was selling his photos to the, the boardwalk, the, the boardwalk vendors in Seaside Heights. 
Mm. And and I'm like, you're selling your photos to boardwalk people? And he goes, yeah, yeah, they put them in frames. Like, well, I, I, we get these wooden frames, and so we do like collages of certain bands, or we'll do like a, a, a you know, like an eight by ten in there. Mm. And and they instead of selling like instead of giving the prizes as dolls, let's say, or <laughs> stuffed animals, <laughs> they give them as they give uh, framed concert photos. And so um, these people down there on Seaside on the boardwalk were sold were sold from me and my friend photos mm. that they put in they made into collages. Well, actually, we did. We made them into collages. My friend did, and uh, he uh, we framed them, and you know, got we bought the frames and all, and then we ended up us giving to them at wholesale or whatever the price was. I forget, and uh, people were uh, bought, you know winning them. Wow. We walked around the boardwalk and we could see people <laughs> holding on to them. That's great. You were quite the entrepreneur from early on, man. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it weird how the industry kind of changed where you could just walk in free and easy into a concert and take photos? Yeah, well, back then, you know, it was sort of like, I guess, people took advantage of the situation and they saw right. more and more cameras. Right. And so it probably was a joint decision maybe between band members or yeah. uh, management and slowly it, it kind of slowed down to where now if you're a professional, when I started to become back in 1982 uh, or 81, when, you know, that time period. It started around mid-80s, uh, mid-80s, I would say it started where. No, no, I became professionally early 80s. No, no, I meant, no, I meant where they started to frown upon bringing cameras in. Oh, um, probably somewhere somewhere in the early mid 80s but the thing yeah. was i was at a point where i was i knew how to get it in really well where i was getting through ticket lines because at that point I, I was i was getting passes from like 1980 yeah uh, when first passes i got were from uh let's see from acdc when they got they got me and my friend into the uh yeah um, Madison Square Garden, Meadowlands Arena oh, okay. for, uh, for those about to rock. Well, yeah. I that's yeah, how I started. As, as you know, I started out as a, a photographer, um, and then right. uh, then I, um, you know, I would say it was like around 1985 where um, a bouncer took my camera and just stripped the film, and I was like, you know what, I'm 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 going to start putting all the photos I took into a fanzine. I started the fanzine, and then I enjoyed putting a magazine together more than taking photos. And that's <laughs> that's and then, how. And then I ended up working for that magazine. <laughs> Cold Powerline, right? That's exactly. Right. I also had the cover. Yes. Of, of Axl Rose. Yes, you did. Oh, God. Yeah, one day for me because because I have so many projects coming out that you know. I could use some of your photos, maybe. Yeah. You know, I'd still like to use the anthrax one that you shot back in 1985. Yes. We were both, like, in the similar area. You were, like, probably behind me, because and you probably, my hair, my black, my my Nikki Six-looking black hair might have gotten in your way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I remember that when I, I saw some photos in the Ronnie James Dio book of you, and I was like, oh, my God, that is Frank back then. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, we just—I went through a lot of hairstyle changes, but the but, thing is, though, the hair's fully intact, nice and long. Yeah, you know, so it's—it's it's amazing with all the hairspray well, you, and gel. And you, you know, were always kind to 
fellow photographers, unlike some others, some other photographers, you, you kind of try to take me under your wing and you didn't really, you were competitive, but you let your own photos do the talking. You weren't worried about other people, you know, trying, you, you, you knew you were going to take good photos. You didn't have to worry if others were, yeah. And and so I could see (laughs) how you got along with Ronnie James Dio because he was also a very friendly, open guy. Um, an understanding about how fans feel about him. Yes. You know, and so he has that, he has that warmth about him that just, that just, that just comes out and sparkles, you know, when he's, you know, doing his job. He posed. You gotta, you gotta gotta keep a good attitude about you because if you don't, sometimes you can meet somebody and uh, you might love what they do but as soon as you meet them, you might get turned off, and then you might not become a fan of them anymore. Right. That's just the bottom. That's just the bottom line. You know, right. that's just human human nature works. Yes. You know, like if you get turned off by somebody for liking them for a long period of time, and and they and they kind of reject you in whatever way they do it in, yeah. Or they don't. You know, if you're right in front of them and they, and they don't converse with you or whatever, later on you're going to feel these feelings like. What did I do something wrong? You know, I know I'm not a bad person. He never right. talked to me. Like, what happened? So, yeah, yeah. you know, certain people I was able to just, you know, over the course of time, be able to um, become a, like an acquaintance friend, you know, sort of like uh, seeing that person mostly on tour. Mm. Uh, you know, obviously he had a life where, you know, he did other things outside of touring. But, you know, whenever he did come into, let's say, the New York, Jersey, tri-state area, I was able to catch a show or two yeah. or travel overseas whenever it was possible back later on in the, like in the, uh, in the late 90s and 2000s. Because this has everything. This has him hanging at after parties with the guys from the Scorpions, Kicks. That was at the yep. That was at the that's with uh, also with the Almighty at the uh, yeah. Concrete Foundations Forum in L.A. Yeah. in 1990. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I was working with the uh, Concrete. With the, wow. Know, with the company. Yeah. Concrete back then. I was doing like their. They had like a newsletter and thing. Uh, you know, a few pages, whatever it was. Uh, or I was doing like photos for that. And uh, obviously, you know, they said, Frank, come out. There's going to be tons of people. You're going to want to photograph and so forth. And so I did. And then, you know, there's Ronnie, like, you know, right in the middle <laughs> of it all. I mean, we were underneath like a tent. Other rockers or uh, fans and so forth. And, and, you know, the media all mixed in. And uh, these guys just happened to be kind of standing near each other. So I kind of sewed everything up. Got everyone, you know, nice and tight. And I was able to take a nice few shots that... You know, one made it to like a double page in the book, you know? Yeah. Well, he was always photogenic and he always, it seems yeah, like he always nice posed smile. for you. Yep. You know, always, always giving you a nice smile, you know, uh, you know, look good, you know, nice clothes and he was wearing some rocking clothes. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, it fit him well and uh, we got some great work out of him. Yeah, Dio fans definitely have to pick up this book. Where Now, tell us where you can get it. You could get it at Amazon. Yeah, Amazon um, or Amazon Books, I either one. And besides Amazon, you could also pick it up at uh, uh, other online distributors. Yes, and you could check it out on Google. Yep. Uh, you could also pick it up by uh, from 
me personally, just uh, go to my Facebook page and personal message me. And I could uh, give you the uh, information. If you're here in the United States, then I could ship it. If not, then you could buy it on Amazon if you live in other parts of the world. Now, Weimer is a, is an English company, an English publisher, correct? Right, and you could also buy it at Weimer, too. Yeah, W-Y-M-E-R. And they're right yeah, in publishing. England. Yep. All right, thanks for taking the time, man. Thanks for doing the podcast. And oh, sure. I can't emphasize enough how good this book is, especially for Dio Thank fans. You. Um, you've always been a great photographer, but you had something with Dio that is only comes around once in a lifetime. It seems like you had a connection with them. Uh, even when he yeah, was on he stage, he looked right into the lens and he <laughs> almost like he knew you were there. Yeah, very personable. Yeah. Of, you know, person photography. You yep. know? So I, uh, it kind of went hand in hand with me and him. Well, thank you, Frank. You can get Frank White's book, Ronnie James Deal, A Career Through the Lens, 1975 to 2009, online at Amazon.com. Uh, in these days of pandemic, even though bookstores are reopening, that's probably the fastest way to get it. You can also visit Frank White's Facebook page, too. All right, don't forget to go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content, music collecting tips, and hobby news. After all, we are the Music Collectors Magazine and have been since 1974. Also, get 68% off the cover price there with a subscription, subscription for both digital and print. So we'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. This is Editor Pat Prince signing off. Cheers. <laughs>